Hi there, I'm Jolyn McCarthy and welcome to Two Question Tuesday. Each week, Two Question Tuesday answers randomly picked questions submitted by our clients. Answering this week's questions, we have with us Phil D'Angelo, Managing Director of Focus Wealth Management, and Mike Pisani, Director of Financial Planning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. All right, Phil, you have the first question. Everyone's asking, can you please explain the craziness that happened last week? So I, I knew I was going to get this question. Um, okay, basically, uh, one of the oldest tricks in the book uh, started by Jesse Livermore, uh, who was actually originally known as the Wolf of Wall Street back in the early 1900s. Uh, his biography about him uh, uh, was reminiscent of a stock operator published in the 1920s. You know, the 1920s had a huge bull market in this country. And Jesse Livermore actually was one of the richest men in the world at the time, a great stock speculator, originally known as the Wolf of Wall Street, um, had a few other nicknames, Boy Plunger also being one of them. Uh, much like uh, this group on on Reddit, which is a chat room, uh, again brings me back to the beginning of my career. You know, in the '90s, with with these stock uh, chat rooms, whether back then it was on America Online or Yahoo, uh, Reddit now is 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 the place uh, that that you know these people are are hanging out on. So what they did was they a gentleman um, bought GameStop, uh, which was a very low price stock, put all of his savings into, I think it was like $53,000. Um, and then he started, you know, looking at the short interest of the stock, meaning when, when hedge funds, are, which are usually long and short, so they bet stocks to go down, uh, when they're short a stock, uh, the published, it's called short interest. So this group of traders looked to see what is the large, the largest float out there of stocks that people are short, and GameStop was one of them, meaning that there was large institutional money, Marvin Capital, betting for the stock to go down and stay down. When you're short a stock, there's only one way to take your profit or to stop future losses, and that's to buy it back. So this, this guy got, got his group of Reddit to get into this stock to force what's called a short squeeze, meaning how much losses can this hedge fund take, can afford to take, and by closing out their short or by trying to limit their losses, no one knew where they shorted at as a private hedge fund, um, they had to buy the stock back, setting the stock up parabolically uh, to you know the $350 mark from, from you know, uh, a stock that was in the low single digits. Uh, truly phenomenal, uh, not their original idea, uh, interesting that they could bring it back in this day and age. Um, but, you know, if you look at, at what you can get a group to do, um, you know, certainly uh, doable. And, uh, hey, you got to give them a lot of credit because nothing that they did is illegal. You could talk about the Robin Hoods and, and whatnot of the world restricting trading now on this. You know, when we go to buy anything for our clients, liquidity is always, aside from the idea, the investable idea, uh, liquidity is always paramount, certainly, um, and uh, you have to be able to get, you know, in and out of stocks, which a couple of these names are out there. So, P.S., there's a lot of names out there uh, that this group has now been going to other ideas on and trying to find the stocks with the large short interest, force a squeeze. Uh, and again, the companies uh, that this is being done to, 
um, for the most part, have little or no intrinsic value. You know, GameStop, I don't know how many people go shopping uh, for video games at, at strip malls anymore, but certainly not the best business model out there, as you saw on Saturday Night Live uh, this weekend. You could YouTube that one up. It's it's pretty funny. Um, but I think what the, what's the broad idea here, right? I mean, forget about GameStop. Forget about what was done with the short squeeze. I think what you're looking at is this crowd behavior now that unfortunately arises at the top of market cycles. And look, this market may have way further to go, as we've said all along, uh, into bubble territory. Um, but when you when you see pockets like this, um, you know, uh, one of Jesse Livermore's favorite books was Extraordinary Popular Delusions and Madness of Crowds. Who else loved that book? Bernard Brook, uh, the famous uh, stock trader who was a close friend of Livermore. And when you look at the madness and delusions of crowds uh, at the top of a market cycle, this is what you are seeing. Uh, and this type of behavior uh, has got to be watched. Um, hey, the hedge funds that got squeezed on it, you know what? I really think, you know, we go head to head a lot of times in the pension world uh, for the larger amounts of money uh, we're running uh, for, you know, against hedge funds and whatnot. And I think that for the most part, that is a very antiquated, antiqu antiquated, sorry, model um, of, of doing business, uh, especially when you consider uh, that they never really beat the indexes and, and they charge a hefty fee to do so. But again, the madness and delusions of crowds, that's what's got me bothered. Uh, all last week, all over the weekend. Great articles on the subject. And when we think back 20, 30, 40 years from now, someone's going to mention GameStop, just like we mentioned Pets.com uh, years ago with that little sock puppet because uh, they had an online strategy to sell cat and dog food uh, to people. So that's my answer. So I went over my two minutes. So you can't explain that in less than two minutes. It's just a weird, crazy phenomenon. And you're right about the, the topping patterns. And one of the things that's very characteristic about these time periods is one, the herd mentality. And two, it's the excessiveness of people willing to pay almost anything to get into a particular stock and or company. Valuation doesn't matter. They just see other people doing it and they're making money. And that's almost exactly what's happening right now where everybody's talking out. We're going to dig out my senior year thesis in economics uh, that was all about booms and busts. I think I know where it is. Um, we're going to find it. We're going to put it out on the show. So we'll quote it hopefully next week. The crazy part about it is it does impact the broad market where if you look at everything that the hedge funds were short, they were going up and everybody was getting squeezed. It was a positioning thing. And in order to close out some of those shorts, they had to lighten up their gross exposure to other things that they own. So I had a lot of phone calls. Like you and look, it, great point, Michael. It's positioning. It's not economic or fundamental. And you're right. Great point. You look at Microsoft last week, phenomenal earnings. You look at Apple, good solid earnings. And what happens? Net net stocks down. Because if you're a hedge fund and you have those growth names, you got to sell your good stuff to make up for the bad bets. So very good point how you can have some contagion. And then you have larger hedge funds loaning you know, money to Marvin, whether it's, uh, you know, SAC or, or, or sorry, 0.72 now capital and, and the likes. And um, what's the contagion like down the road? Uh, so, again, um, I, I worry about that possible being a market top. Yep. Short term. Okay. Sounds great. Thank you. We're going to move on. Mike, this question is from Joe in New York. Are there benefits to transferring funds from a 401k to a Roth? as opposed to just taking the funds as a withdrawal and investing them elsewhere 
given that either way they are taxed? That's a really good question. Yes, there are benefits to it. So what you're essentially talking about is doing what's called a Roth conversion. And we talk, we've talked about that in the past, and we do those quite a bit with individual clients. It depends on particular circumstances because any time that you're taking money out of a 401k, IRA, any type of tax-deferred retirement account, it, it's a taxable event. So you really need to evaluate and review your taxes to make sure that the amount that you're doing is suitable and you're not pushing yourself up into excessively high tax brackets. So – the benefits of doing a Roth conversion versus just pulling the money out and having it invested is if you do a Roth conversion, the money is going into a Roth vehicle. So at the time that you take that money out, it is an after-tax transaction. So you're not taxed on that, even though you're taxed on the conversion. The money grows tax-deferred inside that vehicle, meaning that any gains aren't taxable. And Another benefit is that if you are someone who's subject to required minimum distributions, you don't have to take RMDs from Roth IRAs. So it's it, you're realizing taxes now uh, with the benefit of potentially not paying taxes down the road. Now, you can take that money out and invest it in some type of an after-tax, non-qualified vehicle, um, and it can continue to be invested. You have full liquidity on that money, but you don't get the benefit of the long-term tax deferral. So it really depends on what your individual tax situation is, but that can be a really good strategy uh, for people long-term. We do it a lot. So it's definitely a conversation to be had. You know, Mike, and also a good old trick that we used to have, right, is that when the markets are down for a sustained period or if a client's got an overweight stock position, you know, maybe they worked there or they were given, you know, uh, X amount of shares of, of something that's really beaten up in your IRA, convert that over at a, a, during a bear market to the Roth, had yes. to have a lot of gains. Once the stock comes back and it's high quality and it's, it's likely over time it will, then you preserve that whole bounce back uh, tax free. Yeah, absolutely. It's a really great strategy to use, and it's but it's not a blanket strategy that you can do for everyone. It really depends on everyone, someone's individual situation. But everyone should be looking to evaluate this in some way, shape, or form. I would say. Okay. Thank you. Thank you both for answering this week's two questions. If you have a question you'd like to submit, email us at jmccarthy at focuswealthmgmt.com. Stay safe and we will see you next week.